You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. I was actually praying for this service because I knew this is the one that will get used for podcasts. And I felt like God said that there's someone that's listening online today. And uh, you haven't been into church for a long time. And uh, you, you, you tend to listen to church from afar thinking, I can't step my foot back into the house. And I believe that today that something's going to fall in your life. That as you're listening to this, God is actually building a bridge for you to come back to his house because he wants you planted in his house. So it's a great word if you're listening, man. I'd, I'd receive that wherever you are. Uh, it's, it's cool. So I'm going to pray. We're going to get into it. So God, I thank you for today. God, your presence in, in this place and in the next few moments that we have together. God, that you would speak to every single one of us. Holy Spirit, would you do a prompting inside of our lives that we wouldn't just think that, yeah, this message is for the person sitting next to me. <laughs> But we would actually go, you know, what, what do you want to say to me through this today? Because I've come to church to hear from you, God. And, uh, and so we, we pray for that and we ask for that. And God, and I thank you in advance for the victory for New South Wales on Wednesday night. When dirty old Queensland, your reign is done. Your time is over. Your best players have retired. And in Jesus' name, it's a new season. It's a blue season. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, 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 a few people not saying amen to that. What's going on out here? Come on. You need to turn around from the dark side, but that's okay. Hey, if you'd like to take message notes, today's message is titled Giant Killers. We're just going for it. That's probably, if you know me, my nature is I don't, I don't tend to muck around. We just, let's just get in there. And uh, I think the best way to get in there is in a moment, we're going to start reading some, some scripture. And it's always good to read some Bible in church because many of us don't read it at home. So, you know, uh, we just come to church. <laughs> Oh, is that too straight up for the first thing? No. <laughs> this is getting real. I have those days as well. That's okay. Sometimes I lose my uh, reading streak on my uh, Uversion app. It's unfortunate. It's okay. But we're going to talk about, one of, I think, one of the greatest battles of all time, David and Goliath. And uh, it's one of the most famous accounts in history is the story of David and Goliath. And uh, we're going to be reading from 1 Samuel. And the narrative starts off like this. Saul, who is the king of Israel, God's people. And the Israelite army are facing the Philistine army in the valley of Elah. Uh, twice a day for 40 days, morning and evening, Goliath, who's nearly 10 feet tall, that's like Campbell Bond plus a few, is, uh, is the champion of the Philistines. And he comes out between the battle lines and he challenges the Israelites to send out a champion of their own to decide the outcome in a single man-to-man combat. But Saul and his troops were terrified to face Goliath. So David, a teenage shepherd boy who's bringing food for his elder brothers who are in the battle lines, hears that Goliath has defied the armies of God, and he hears of the reward from Saul to the one that defeats him. And so David hears, and he accepts the challenge. And so we're going to pick it up in 1 Samuel 17, and we're going to be reading from verse 32. It says, Master, said David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight the Philistine. And Saul answered, David... Uh, Sorry, and Saul answered David, you can't go and fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced. And he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. And David said, I've been a shepherd boy tending for my father's sheep. Whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I'd go after it, knock it down and rescue the lamb. And if it turned on me, I'd grab it by the throat, wringing its neck and kill it. Lion or bear, it made no difference. I killed it. And I'll do the same to this Philistine pig who is taunting the troops of God alive. God who delivered me from the teeth of the lion and the claws of the bear will deliver me from this Philistine. 
So Saul said, go, and God help you. So this is where David, he goes down to the brook, a little river, and he selects five smooth stones um, because he's got a sling to go and fight Goliath. And Goliath, this giant with his incredible armor, his massive javelin, his spear, and David, young shepherd boy with sling in hand. And so the Philistine ridiculed David. Am I a dog that you come after me with a stick? And he cursed him by his gods. Come on, said the Philistine. I'll make roadkill of you for the buzzards. I'll turn you into a tasty morsel for the field mice. And David answered, you come at me with sword and spear and battle axe, and I come at you in the name of the God of the angel armies, the God of Israel's troops, whom you curse and mock. This very day, God is handing you over to me. I'm about to kill you. Cut off your head and serve up your body and the bodies of your Philistine buddies to the crows and the coyotes. The whole earth will know that there's an extraordinary God in Israel. And everyone gathered will learn that God doesn't save by means of sword or spear, that the battle belongs to God. He's handing you to us on a platter. And that roused the Philistine. And he started towards David. I mean, imagine that he started towards him, this massive 10 feet giant, this little school kid. You know, he's just like, like slow motion giant. You know, it's like Jabba the Hutt going for him. Boom, slow motion. Imagine a picture it in a movie. It'd be amazing. So David took off from the front line. Oh, man, that would be so sick. Imagine watching that. Imagine being in the Israelite army. You see this kid, like no armor or nothing, just going. I wonder if there was that sort of sound, you know. (laughs) Movie reference. You may not know what it is, but it's okay. So David reached into his pocket for a stone, and he slung it, and it hit the Philistine hard in the forehead, embedding the stone deeply. And the Philistine crashed face down in the dirt. And that's how David beat the Philistine, with a sling and a stone. He hit him and killed him. No sword for David. And then David ran up to the Philistine and he stood over him. He pulled the giant's sword from its sheath and he finished the job by cutting off his head. And where the Philistines saw that their great champion was dead, they scattered, running for their lives. I love it that he went and chopped off his head. You know, he wasn't just done with the stone in the head because it could have been one of those movie scenes where he like turns his back and he's just like going to his boys like, yeah, what's up now? And then the giant gets up and everyone's just like, ah, you know, like it wasn't that. He's like, it's done and dusted, man. This guy's, this guy's cooked. It's over. The head is off the giant. The battle is won. I love it. It's cool. And many scholars believe that David was only around the age of 16 at the time. Like that's nuts. Just a, a 16 year old boy. It's so awesome. A young shepherd boy had a heart after God who would tend his father's sheep, who would worship God in the wilderness. And now David's a victorious champion, a mere boy defeating a giant, a giant killer. Have you ever seen an epic battle or have you ever been in an epic battle before? Up against something, a massive challenge and and being a part of something like that, a sports game. Maybe you're an athlete in here and you know what it's like and week in, week out, you're, you're up against a Goliath, up against an opposition. If you're someone here who likes to sing, maybe you've been a part of singing events or like family karaoke sessions and it's, you know it's a battle, you know it's a competition. Even though you say it's for fun, it's a good time, it's not. You're there to win. You're there to win at all costs. I don't know, you could have been a debater at school and you just, you just love going and debating topics or you're a gamer and you just go online and you're, just, you're up against it playing some Fortnite. I don't know. Or you're going for a job. You know, and you're up against a battle in that environment. There's other people going for the same job. So you're up against something. You're wanting to come out the winner. You're wanting to come out on top. Or maybe just getting the kids ready for school each morning. 
It's like, oh man, gosh, I've got like five Goliaths in my house that I've got to defeat every morning to get ready, to get some food, to get in the car, to get to school. Probably the first challenge is getting them out of bed. I feel your pain. I'm not there yet. My, my boy, he's, he's just transitioned out of a cot into like, you know, where, they can, where there's no sides. Man, an uncontained child is not good for sleep-ins. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> but that's okay. Or, or maybe your battle is the Tuesday night pub quiz. You know, like you just, you're there to win. I don't know what you win at a pub quiz, but you know, but that could be your thing. I don't know. Or a savage board game with friends, like Settlers or something like that. My, like, my wife loves to play Settlers. I hate to play Settlers. Why? Because I always win. You know? Like it's, it's hard to play something when you always win, right? But she's up for it, man. She's up against Goliath every single time. She maybe needs some more faith or something, I don't know, because I just keep winning. But that's okay. Look, we're, that's a different subject, different story. That's for like a marriage retreat or something or some counseling. But, but don't we all have those battles, the stories, the underdog stories, the up against the odds or the down and out or somebody chasing victory? I love those sort of stories. I love listening to people tell them. I love to tell them. Pastors love to tell them because they always embellish their stories and make them bigger than they are, right? But we get captivated anyway. Whoa. <laughs> Your fish was really five meters long. No, it was five centimeters. But that's okay. Woo. <laughs> but I've been in some epic battles and I've seen some epic battles. I mean, as a youth pastor, you get to see some of the most amazing battles when you do tribal wars, when you pit young people against each other. It's actually, I know it sounds like a cruel sport. You know, it, it happened in the Colosseum and it happens today in this very church. And uh, one of them, one of my favorites, but it wasn't my favorite, but is now when you look back on it because nobody died, but we had this game called the Tower of Terror, okay? And in our central facility, we built a scaffolding tower up to the roof. It was huge. It was real high. And then we'd have mini tramps on either side. And then you'd have like 20 people from each tribe go against each other, and you had a time limit, and, and people would run and jump, bounce on, and then grab onto this tower. And so the most people you had on the tower at the end of the time limit meant that you were the victor. You were the winner. And so I was out controlling the game because it was one of my amazing ideas. But then Pastor Nadia Clark was emceeing that event. And Pastor Nadia, unaware of what um, KG limits you're allowed on scaffolding, just goes, all on all, everybody, go for it. Most, uh, most, you know, most people on there win. I'm like going, no, Nads, no. Like, <laughs> there's a weight limit. She just ignores the Holy Spirit's voice. And she just goes after her selfish intentions of chaos and so there's all these kids just climbing and just jumping on. I'm just like, oh, you know, like, yeah, I was kind of having a good time until one of the support beams just like that's on the angle goes boop and buckles. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't good. So I'm like, stop, stop. You know, like this thing's breaking. She doesn't stop. It just keeps going. And then next thing you know, so this, this whole tower goes boom and falls on an angle. I was like, this is, this is, this is not good. And then these, these wheels underneath, and they just break. The support wheels break, and this tower goes bang and just drops down like this. Oh, right there, it turned into 9-11 right there. I tell you what, there were like people dangling from the edge. There were kids screaming, holding on with one hand. And I remember running in and standing, holding on to the edge of this thing. And I remember seeing kids like lying out here, lying here. There were ones like, help, help. And I'm just like, there's leaders just running in and just grabbing kids and just chucking them off and just pulling them down. And I can, I'm just so thankful that nobody died. Like, I've seen some epic battles. You know, only one girl got delayed concussion, and who knows if it was from that event. It could have been from something completely else. It was delayed. Could have happened at school that day. The Tower of Terror. It was nuts. We had this summer camp once, and uh, the, the, the theme of the camp was called Fearless. 
And so this, the, the whole idea was to encourage and, and challenge people to overcome your fears, to face your fears. And so we're having another one of these tribal war games, and a part of it was having to swim through the lake. And so anyway, so these kids get down, and they get into the part where they're swimming through the lake, and this one kid starts to go down. It's like, oh my goodness, he's struggling. He can't swim. He's going under. And then Josh Sowey, like a brown David Hasselhoff, whips off his shirt, and he just runs, and he just dives in, and he swims out, and he just captures this dude, saves this young guy, pulls him out of the lake. Look, don't get me wrong, youth ministry isn't there to kill kids. But sometimes you've got to go through a journey and process to see young people saved. And it's got to be dramatic. Anyway, so we get this kid out and we're talking to him. We're like, you know, girls are crying. And also I'm like, it's fine, he's alive, it's okay. <laughs> and um, anyway, thank goodness for those days of doing youth ministry before health and safety. Man, we had good times back then. It's changed now. It's changed. There's too many rules and laws. And that's why I'm not in prison. But anyway, so we asked this kid, we're like, what are you doing? Like, why, 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 why did you go into the race to win it if, <clears throat> if, if, you, if you can't swim? And he goes, well, the pastor last night told me to face my fears. And my fear is that I don't know how to swim. <laughs> my, <laughs> maybe get some lessons first, cuz. <laughs> I don't know if facing your fear that way. Yeah, anyway. I've been up against this battle the other week. Uh, my wife and I got to, to go on holiday for a couple of weeks up north, and we're just going fishing every day. And, you know, it was a whole bunch of days, pretty much nearly two weeks, and we're hardly catching anything. And my wife's pretty much giving up hope on me that I know what I'm doing. And I'm get, almost giving up hope on myself. She's like, do you need to call my dad to ask what to do? I'm like, no. <laughs> and then I'm at home, like Google research. Am I doing the right thing? Am I going to the right spots? Anyway, on the, our last day of fishing, we're just about to give up and, and give it up. And we've got this, this livey this live bait in the water on the line out the back of the boat. And, you know, Zara and I are fishing from either sides of the boat and Nico's just eating sandwiches because he just eats the whole time. And so anyway, and then suddenly just bang. The live he got hit and this, the line is just smoking out the back of the boat. And I'm just like, oh man, this is awesome. Quick, babe, grab the camera, get the lines in. Jump on and I'm just like, just grinding away. Just like, bang. And it's just like, fish on, sucker. You see, I never caught a legal kingfish. And so this for me, this is like, this could be the day. This is it. This is what I've been hunting all week. I've been targeting this thing. I'm going for it. Anyway, so there's an epic battle going on. You like wind in a little bit of rope and then it just peels off the line and then it's back and forth for ages and your arms are getting tired and, and then it goes towards the rocks and I think, oh man, it's wrapped around some rocks. I've lost it. Like the line wasn't moving. I'm literally like leaning all my weight back on this thing. I'm like literally just hanging there and it's not moving. Then it suddenly took off a little bit. I'm like, oh, she's big. She's big. Anyway, so... After an epic battle, we finally get it in the boat. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. And so on the screen behind me is the, the beautiful kingfish that we pulled in. So, you know, if the anointing is on Pastor Paul, it's got to be on the people in his house too, right? <laughs> but that was an epic battle, man. That was awesome. What about Vision Sunday? Who was around for Vision Sunday? You know, see that bungee jump that I had to go through? If you didn't, you can, you can jump online and see that, but... You know, to have to go and face some fears and face some challenges to overcome something in my life so that, I don't know, maybe people could find some freedom. That was a real battle. That was a, that was a real challenge. I mean, that was like, for me, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. Like just filled with fear, with thoughts of death, of <laughs> I'm going to die. What am I doing? This is terrible. And the whole time I literally had to hold on to the fact that if I do this, somebody else is going to find some freedom. And I think that's something that, when we're up against a battle, a challenge in our lives, that if we can hold on to the fact that on the other side of our breakthrough is somebody else's freedom. 
God, it can drive us to do things that we don't, didn't think were possible. That we know that God's in it and on it, I believe that serious breakthrough can take place in people's lives. So in some way, every one of us, we would have been in a battle, maybe seen a battle throughout our lives, or been up against a challenge. Maybe in an external one, a fun one, a competitive one, it may be a very personal one. Maybe for many people in this room, your battle through life or even today could be an internal battle. Like what's going on in here? What's going on in here? And you're yet to win that. You're yet to get the victory in the battle. I wonder what giant is confronting you today. I wonder what the giant is that you're facing. The giant that's coming out and taunting you, much like Goliath was taunting the Israelite army. That's keeping you oppressed, keeping you held down, keeping you locked up, keeping you in prison, stopping you from moving forward in life. What's that thing that takes your attention constantly? What is it that invades your thoughts the moment your mind has some downtime? When you hop in the car on your way home from work, what is it that if you allowed your mind to dwell on it, it would just overcome you? The pressure that you feel when you lay your head on the pillow at night and it just speaks to you. You do anything sometimes to shut it off. Maybe you have some quiet time, you're home alone or whatever, and it's like, Man, that giant, I can feel it. It's just, it's coming at me and you'll do something to try and not think about it, to not dwell on it, to not have it rear its head. Maybe your go-to is opening the fridge door, grabbing some food. It could be gaming, your escapers through a different world or pornography or picking up the phone and texting the ex or whatever it may be. I don't know what it is, but Maybe today your battle is an internal battle, internal struggle. Anxiety, fear, the pain of abuse, self-hate, feelings that you aren't good enough, that you've got no value or self-worth. You've had negative words spoken over you. Maybe you're experiencing workplace bullying, suicidal thought patterns, rage, anger could be consuming you. Like I mentioned before, you could have pornographic habits. Eating disorders, pride, lack of humility can be one. You think you're so awesome that you're God's gift to humanity, to your spouse. That you're self-absorbed in your lifestyle, that, that I earn more so that I can get more. All about the recognition, the recognition from peers. Could be your financial situation, whether too much or not enough. Could be business pressures. How are you going to make ends meet? How are you going to pay the bills? Where's the next job coming from? How am I going to deal with this staff member, with that staff member? Could be loneliness. Loneliness is a real, a real challenge for people. It's a real battle. The truth is you could be in this room today surrounded by hundreds of amazing people and feel like the loneliest person in the world. You could feel like I've got no friends, I've got no one to talk to. You can be in marriage and feel lonely. You can be on a team and feel lonely. You see, what Goliath is standing between you and the actual reality that God wants for you to live in. That there is a victory that God is wanting us to have. A giant that needs to be defeated. And I believe today that for many of us, that giant is coming down. We're going to cut off its head today. You've got to believe it. You haven't just come to church to just have a good time, to get out of the rain, to shake some hands and kiss some babies. (laughs) 
You've come for freedom. You just didn't even know it when you walked in the doors. And when we look at young David, he had seen God with him in previous battles against wild beasts, all out tending his father's sheep. And so I believe that he had a strong inner faith that God would be with him in any future battle. Because he's like, I've seen it before. I know I can see it again. I don't trust in my own ability. I trust in the power and the authority of God who I have a relationship with, the God who I worship, the God whose name I lift up and honor in my life. A bold confidence in the power of his God. An understanding that with God on your side, the battle has already been won. See, something I love about David is I reckon that he was a worshiper before he was a warrior. That he worshiped in the wilderness before he got victory in the battle lines. Why do I believe that? Because I, he, he knew the character of his God. He knew the power and the authority of his God. So therefore, I believe he would have been a worshiper. Someone who lifted the name of God high. So therefore, he had a foundation in his life that was bold, confident, and strong. Not in his own ability, but in the ability of his God. So what are we doing in our wilderness? What are we doing in our waiting? When no one else is around, what is going in and coming out of our spirit? I love TC's message that I was able to be here for the other week. And he said these three things, that while we're in the waiting, he said, are we exercising our gratitude? Are we exercising our servanthood? And this point, I love this point, are we exercising our worship? While we're waiting, while we're in the wilderness, while we're going through challenge, are we worshiping? Are we lifting up the name of Jesus high? when we feel like we're going through a battle. You see, it's easy to lift our hands and sing when everything is going great, isn't it? Like, it's like you can get out of the car and it's raining. You're like, do you need an umbrella? No. I've come ready to worship. Yeah? You walk through, the, walk through these doors here and the welcome team's like, hey, how you going? They go to shake your hand. You're like, sorry, I'm, uh, life's good. I'm ready to worship. These hands aren't coming down. Like, I'm there already. I don't need someone to tell me to get into it. I'm already into it. But what about when life is tough? It's like you've got, you know, a couple of Black Betty KGs from Pastor Cam and just like holding these things and you can't even, you couldn't even think of like getting your hands up past your hips to worship. It's like they're heavy. You're burdened, you're weighed down. To, to, the, to think that you could go from here to here is like, feels like mission impossible. See, many of you know my story. I've shared it here through MCing. You would have seen it on different things over the years. And if you're new to life, then you'll get to know it. <laughs> but one of the things I had to, I've had to work through in my life is, is the sexual abuse that happened when my granddad sexually abused me when I was 10, 11, and 12. And, and I often share that part and share different parts of my story. But, you know, I never really share that sometimes it's been really hard going to counseling, working through things. And then, you know, the next week on a Sunday, having to get up here, even on the South Stage, and shout, God is good. Jesus is amazing. And to encourage other people to get into it when in your own personal world, you feel like, man, I'm going through a battle. I'm dealing with some stuff. You know, the, one, of the, one of the outcomes of the abuse that I went through was, was the struggle to tell people that I love them, the ones that I really cared about. Because I didn't realize, but, you know, I was afraid that if I told somebody I love them, they would hurt me again. 
And so I withheld back love. But then I still had to come in on a Sunday and lift my hands and worship and lead and encourage and inspire. What would cause somebody to do that? I can tell you it's nothing but the presence of God. This is what would take place outside of here. The worship. The engagement with the loving God. You know, even with the challenge that we had to become, you know, starting a family and going to the doctors and being told that you were the one with a fertility issue wasn't an easy pill to swallow. And for three years, watching all your best friends around you start families and have kids and you don't. And then suddenly you were all doing the same phase of life together. Like we all got married in the same year. We all sort of got our girlfriends at the same time, like in different order. Uh, <laughs> that's a bad order, eh? We got married and we all found girlfriends? No. <laughs> Other way around, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know, we're all kind of started ministry life at the same time. And then suddenly they're all having kids and we're not. You're walking through that for three years plus. We go through IVF and having a kid. But at that same time, I had to lead a growing youth ministry. We had like over 100 youth leaders. You know, you're ministering people week in, week out. On the inside, it hurts. Like, it's not easy. But you can worship in your pain. You can worship in your wilderness. Despite the outcome. Don't wait for your victory before you lift your hands and say that God is good. Say that God is good first. And allow the victory to follow. Actually, for someone in here today, you're listening and you're waiting for the outcome before you can really feel like God is good. I want to tell you today that God is good despite your outcome. Maybe today your trigger point is you need to worship. God is just waiting for you to, to engage with Him and to love Him despite what comes next. Because that's the way that He loves you. He loves you despite what you do next. You see, our worship precedes our victory. If the team could come up and join me, that would be awesome. I believe our worship precedes our victory. The giants in our lives will do anything possible to steal our ability to worship. The challenges that we face, the, the ups and downs, the, the real things going on inside of our lives, all of that stuff will talk to us and try and hold us back from living in worship. Your giant will seem big. It'll seem loud, it'll seem threatening, dangerous, oppressing. It'll seem unholy, might seem strong, unbeatable, might seem impassable. You see, King Saul, he was gripped by fear. He was unable to defeat his giant. You see, Saul compared Goliath to himself. When Goliath would come out and challenge him, I mean, that's the natural response, right? I mean, like, this dude's like 10 foot. What the heck? Is he on steroids? What's going on? Like, he's huge. Look at the size of his javelin. It's like three times the size of my sword. Like, I'm like a third of this dude's height. He could bench press me with his little finger. He's like the strength of Brogan. Like, you, that would be the natural being. That's what Saul did. And Saul was afraid. He was gripped with fear. 
He was limited from a victory because he was held in fear because he would compare the Goliath, the giant, to himself. But here comes David, shepherd boy. Nothing but some stones and a sling in his hand. He walks out, but what does he do? Looks at Goliath. Does he compare him to himself? I don't think he did because a 16-year-old boy, if they did that, he's running for the hills. He goes, this dude? Are you kidding me? Is that all you've got? Have you seen the bigness of my God? Have you seen how great He is, the Alpha, the Omega, who created the heavens and the earth, the very air that you're breathing right now, He's spoken to being, and you're gonna defy that? Like the guy, I bet Dave was like, this is, a, this is ridiculous. Like somebody's having a laugh. Is this all you've got compared to my God? Many of us are comparing our challenges, our giants in our lives, to our own ability to overcome it. And I wanna tell you, you will fail every time. You'll never take a step forward. You'll never be free when you do that. But when you compare your challenge, what you've been through, what you're going through to the bigness of your God, everything seems possible. Everything can be overcome. Come on, David served a big God. He knew his ability. He knew the strength and the power and the authority of what was in his relationship with God. But do you? Bible says that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. God in us, it's our hope, our victory. It's time to stop comparing our giants to ourselves. See, when David had defeated his giant, he chopped off his head. I love that. It's awesome, savage. (laughs) It's going all the way. Why is this significant? I honestly believe it's a symbol for us today. That the giant in our lives will never live again. See, I believe in my life, I've defeated some giants because of Jesus. And the pains and the hurts and the things and the feelings that are attached to those, they're never gonna live again in my life. They're done. They're cooked, they're toasted. It's over. Just like the Queensland team, you're done. Your time is up. So it's great for me to know that it's done and dusted, but you know what else it does? It allows me to have a testimony that others can look at, that I can tell others. Say, if God can do it in my life, He can do it in yours. That whatever you're facing, when that giant's head comes off, it's done in your life as well. Because on the other side of our breakthrough is somebody else's freedom. The Bible says in Romans 8, 8, 37, says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. But friend, I need to tell you today that we are more than conquerors. Not because of ourselves, but because Jesus in us. The price that He paid on the cross, the death that He went through, that He rose again, the victory of Jesus is our victory. I love this passage of Scripture. I'm gonna just, I'm gonna finish with this. I often use it quite a bit when I'm preaching because I I just think it's so empowering for us. It's in Romans 8, 31 to 39 in the message. It says, so what do you think? With God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing Himself to the worst by sending His own Son, is there anything else He wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? And who would dare tangle with God by messing with one of His chosen? Who would dare even point a finger? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, 
is in the presence of God at this very moment sticking up for us? Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, nor backstabbing. Not even the worst sins listed in Scripture, that they kill us in cold blood because they hate you. We're sitting ducks because they pick us off one by one. No, none of this phases us because Jesus loves us. But I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Church, we're in an unfair fight. We've already got the victory before we even step into battle. So whatever giant you're facing today, it can come down in the name of Jesus. We're in an unfair fight. It's ridiculous. It's so opposite to how the world works. It says you've got to put in all the effort before you get the victory. When you look at the All Blacks World Cup, they don't celebrate until the trophy's up in the air. But us as Christians, we get to shout and celebrate and holler the name of Jesus because we know we've already got the victory because of Jesus. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org.